Welcome to this Peer Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including supporting material, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash PBJ. This activity has been funded by BioChrist. The medical content was developed independently by Peer Voice in concert with the faculty. Welcome to this Peer Voice activity on hereditary angioedema. This activity comprises two presentations featuring Professor Serena Chiani. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues. Hello, I'm Serena Chiani, consultant immunologist at Royal Free London NHS Foundation Trust. Today, I'm going to talk about androgen risk reduction in hereditary angioedema. Why and how to switch to targeted prophylactic therapy. So hereditary angioedema is a genetic disorder which is rare and causes recurrent swellings in cutaneous and mucosal tissue. These swellings can be debilitating and at times life-threatening. And the reason for these swellings is overproduction of bradykinin. Bradykinin is a short nanopeptide with very short half-life of about nine seconds, which binds to the bradykinin-2 receptor on endothelial cells, resulting in opening of gap junctions and extravasation of fluid into the tissue. Bradykinin is produced as a result of the alacrine kinin pathway, which is by itself part of the contact system. Contact system is a very interesting physiological system which has different outcomes. It can result in coagulation, it can result in fibrinolysis, which is the opposite of coagulation. It can result in activation of the complement system, which is an innate defense mechanism, but may also be a form of inflammatory signaling pathway or even cause certain anaphylactic type or anaphylatoxins. It also can lead to blood pressure control through the calocrine kinin pathway. The contact system becomes activated as a result of coming together of plasma calocrine and factor 12, which enzymatically break high molecular weight kininogen, producing bradykinin as one of the products and stable molecule, which is the remnant of high molecular weight kininogen. The control mechanism for this pathway, one of the main control mechanisms is C1 esterase inhibitor. In patients with hereditary angioedema, C1 esterase inhibitor is either absent or present but does not function. So HA type 1 patients have lower or absent C1 inhibitor, whereas HA type 2 patients have the C1 esterase inhibitor, but it doesn't work. Hereditary angioedema is a chronic disease and like all chronic diseases, it can have physical, psychological, and social consequences. Patients who have regular attacks may benefit from prophylactic treatment. Remember that the swellings in hereditary angioedema are unpredictable. They can be disfiguring, painful, and potentially can be life-threatening. A swelling may take two to three days to return to normal, and as a result of that, patients' life can be seriously affected. And often patients with hereditary angioedema have been shown to have lower quality of life 
in variety of studies than general population. Quality of life is inversely proportional to the number and severity of attacks in patients with hereditary angioedema. In many studies, it's been shown that reduction in the number of attacks or severity of attacks can result in improvement in the quality of life. So prophylactic treatment of hereditary angioedema can result in improved quality of life. Traditionally, before targeted therapies, there weren't many drugs that could be used for prophylaxis apart from attenuated androgens, which can be quite efficacious, but they haven't been studied in many patients compared to placebo, although anecdotally they appear to be efficacious. But in many studies, it has been shown that they have an unacceptable number of side effects. These are drugs which are known as drugs of abuse. I will talk about some of the side effects of attenuated androgen later, but what I would like to talk about now is that there are a number of targeted therapies which have been through double-blind placebo-controlled clinical trials recently. Some patients with hereditary angioedema may have very few attacks and not require regular treatment. The treatment of acute attacks could be either in the form of C1 inhibitor intravenous injections or in the form of bradykinin receptor to antagonist, a drug called ecatiband, which is injected subcutaneously. If the number of attacks is regular or the attacks are severe, for example, having laryngeal attacks, then some patients may benefit from prophylactic treatment. One of the main targets for treatment is plasma calicrine and monoclonal antibodies such as lanadilumab or small molecule oral treatments such as berotriostat have now been developed that bind calicrine and inhibit its activity. These drugs have been tried in long-term clinical trials and have been shown to be efficacious and reasonably safe to be licensed for use full stop. The World Allergy Organization ERP guidelines have taken this into account and recommended in their guideline update in 2022 that attenuated androgens should only be used as second-line therapy. They recommend that three drugs can be used as first-line. Those are C1 inhibitors in the form of either plasma-derived or recombinant, lanadilumab, which is monoclonal antibody injectable and it inhibits activity of calicrine, and berotriostat, which is a small molecule which can be taken orally every day. The international WA or IACI guidelines recommend that all patients are assessed at every visit for the need for prophylaxis and whether their prophylactic treatment needs to be adjusted or changed. One of the ways of monitoring patients is to use validated patient-reported outcome measures. We use the angioedema control test, the AECT, which is a validated patient-reported outcome measure that can be used within a minute for each patient, and it can give you invaluable longitudinal information on patient's response to treatment. So in summary, hereditary angioedema is a rare disease found in 1 in 25,000 to 1 in 50,000 people and is caused by overproduction of bradykinin as a result of a regulatory defect in C1-estrase inhibitor. Traditionally, attenuated androgens have been used in treatment of this disease, but these are associated with many long-term side effects. In the past 10 years, 
a number of targeted therapies have become available after placebo-controlled double-blind trials. Thank you very much for listening. I would like to invite you to the next talk, which is going to be about switching from androgen prophylaxis to other forms of prophylactic treatment in hereditary angioedema. Hello, I'm Surana Kiani, consultant immunologist from Royal Free London NHS Foundation Trust. In the last part of this series, I discussed new targeted prophylactic treatment for hereditary angioedema. In this talk, I will discuss switching from androgen prophylaxis to other forms of prophylaxis in hereditary angioedema. So we spoke about some of the problems with androgens. Androgens are anabolic steroids, which are non-selective and can target any cell in the body and hence can affect any organ system and result in a number of side effects. There's also an issue with stopping attenuated androgens. After stopping these drugs, it is expected that in some patients, the number of HA attacks increases. In addition, withdrawal of androgens in some patients can result in mood disturbances, fatigue, anxiety, depression, insomnia, hypersomnia, and sometimes flu-like illness for a short period of time. My experience is that some patients are not willing to stop attenuated androgens because they have become used to them to the point that they're not even aware that these drugs are having certain side effects. For example, if you ask them specifically whether they suffer from insomnia or whether they have anxiety or depression, they may answer yes, but they're not aware that this could have been caused by the attenuated androgens. In my previous talk, I discussed the use of targeted therapies. Available therapies for prophylaxis of hereditary angioedema include drugs that interact with calicrine and inhibit calicrine activity and bradykinin production. So these are lanadilumab and barotrelstat, and drugs that replace C1 inhibitor, which are either plasma-derived or manufactured by the recombinant technology. In the World Allergy Organization guidelines, these three types of medication oral barotrelstat, injectable lanadilumab, or injectable forms of C1 inhibitor have been recommended to be used as first-line treatment interchangeably. There are different ways of switching from attenuated androgens. Either immediate withdrawal of androgens is an option in patients who may have unacceptable side effects from androgen and need to stop immediately. It is also possible to taper the drug dose. This can be associated with less side effects. If the patient continues to have HA attacks, it's also possible to overlap attenuated androgens with a new form of targeted therapy. Licensing of some prophylactic medications, such as Berotrilstat, recommend that Berotrilstat is not started within 14 days of stopping attenuated androgens. The reason for this recommendation is that stopping attenuated androgens can result in, for instance, abnormal liver functions for a short period of time. And it might be difficult to know and distinguish whether this is as a result of starting the new prophylactic medication or is it because of stopping attenuated androgens. But this has been done in some patients. By that, I mean overlapping attenuated androgens with something like barotrafsat or starting within 14 days has been done in some patients, but they were monitored very closely. This is monitored also by blood tests, not just clinically. This is something we have done successfully in a couple of patients, and I've heard from my colleagues in the United States that it is done quite regularly, almost routinely in some areas. There's not sufficient evidence to support a particular method of switching from attenuated androgens to other forms of prophylaxis. 
There's very little in the medical literature. A case series by Mara et al. reports on 10 patients who were switched from attenuated androgens to other forms of HA prophylaxis. The reasons for switching was either side effects, unwanted interactions of attenuated androgens with other drugs that the patients were going to start, drugs for other conditions, for instance, insufficient control of HA was one of the reasons, or because they needed to participate in a clinical trial and they needed to stop attenuated androgens. And in some cases, the reason was unplanned pregnancy. So now we are going to look at three cases from this publication and an additional case from a cohort that I'm familiar with. These are good examples of different reasons and different ways of stopping attenuated androgens. The first case is a 50-year-old woman who was on Danazol 200 milligram once a day for 28 years. They had to immediately withdraw Danazol because of unacceptable side effects that included headaches, hypertension, muscle cramps, virilization, weight gain, and they used to develop severe attacks when androgen dose was reduced in the past. So they withdraw androgen immediately and switch to lanadlumab. Post-switch, she had no side effects. At 10 months since she was switched, she continued to be free of attacks, demonstrated a high quality of life score as demonstrated by AEQOL questionnaire, and her headaches were reduced and she had lost weight. The second case is a 52-year-old man who was on Danazot 200 milligram a day for 26 years. This patient also had the typical androgen side effects, headaches, hypertension, myalgia, and weight gain. His dose was reduced to 100 milligram a week, so the attenuated androgen was tapered down in his case, and then overlapped with C1 inhibitor prophylaxis when the attenuated androgen dose was down to 100 milligram per week. After stopping the androgens, he had an increased frequency of attacks with severe abdominal swellings. He continued to remain overweight initially, but 72 months after stopping androgens, he had zero attacks per month had a good quality of life reported by the clinician and did not have any hypertension, myalgia or headaches. And he started losing the extra weight. The third case is the case of a 34-year-old man who was on oxandrolone 5 milligram a day for a year and a half and had unacceptable side effects for which the androgen had to be withdrawn immediately. That resulted in an increased number of attacks, up to four attacks a week. He was started on recombinant C1 prophylaxis, but this was not sufficiently controlling his symptoms, so he was switched to plasma-derived C1 inhibitor, which was slightly better. In addition, he used on-demand ecatabine for breakthrough attacks, but eventually was switched to lanadilumab every 14 days. At 26 months after withdrawal of androgens, he was very well, with no attacks, hemoglobin returned to normal, and he reported an improved quality of life. The fourth and final case is the case of a 38-year-old man who worked in finance and had a stressful job. He was on androgens, but he continued to have 8 to 12 attacks per month. He had a BMI of 32 with hypercholesterolemia and hypertension. His attenuated androgens were tapered and at the same time overlapped with Barotranster, oral calcarine inhibitor. He was monitored very carefully by monthly blood tests. After reduction of androgen dose to zero, he demonstrated mild transaminitis, which gradually resolved over a two and a half month period. 
is HAE a tax reduced significantly over the three-month period after starting by Transtar, and by six months, he had zero tax per month. Now, three years since switching, he has one HAE attack every three to six months. So in summary, there are no guidelines on how to switch. The patients described above were switched due to different reasons. Many patients experience side effects due to androgen withdrawal. So the side effects after switching are not necessarily because of the new medications. Some patients don't experience any side effects and they don't have any abnormal blood tests or adverse events after switching. Overall, it's difficult to predict how the patients may respond. But after some time, it appears that the side effects subside and the patient can be managed with more targeted therapies more effectively. So to summarize, World Allergy Organization IACI HAE Guidelines 2022 gives three choices of first-line therapy. C1 inhibitor prophylaxis, lanadilumab, and barotralstat. The choice of which one of these prophylactic medicines to use very much depends on access to them in different countries. In some countries, they are not available at all, and in some countries, there is specific commissioning criteria based on the number of attacks that the patients have. Finally, patient preferences are very important in choosing which one of these medications to use. And it should be done through a shared decision between the clinician and the patient. Thank you for listening to this talk. This has been an activity published by Peer Voice.